But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Back inside the Booty and the Beast podcast, I am your host, Ryan Buckeye Fitness Informant, founder and CEO, founder of Fitbars, founder of Iron Union Fitness, founder of Renny D. Man, I could do this all freaking day, but today we bring on a special guest who's not technically the founder, but a big integral part in the success growth distribution of all things defined brands. That includes five-star nutrition, that includes anabolic warfare, that includes neutral one, I mean, This guy, Cody Stevens, who has been with uh, Five Star Nutrition for the longest time, Define Brands, however you want to talk about it, and they have a new model that they're launching as a brick-and-mortar store slash wholesaler that I think is super interesting, not only for other retail accounts who potentially consume the content here on the podcast or watch via YouTube, but also customers. I asked a lot of questions and good questions about, hey... If I'm a customer and I'm walking into your store, how do I know I'm getting the best product for me? How do I know that you're not pushing me towards a store brand, which I know you're making more money on? And Cody addresses that here on the podcast. I made sure I asked those questions because it's very, very important. Let's be real. Cody gets a chance to pull sales reports from his brick and mortar stores, 60 of them, to figure out what's selling. And if he finds out that a certain brand's pre-workout is selling significantly better than others, he can essentially go out and make one himself, which they've done in the past, and which is what stores do. But, you know, at 60 stores today, and who knows where they're going to be in one, two, three, four, five years, but really the focus on their wholesale model, which is really, really cool. So if you are a retail store currently carrying Anabolic Warfare or Neutral One or any of the defined brands, or if you're looking to get into that space with this company, really cool. But it's also very inspiring if you're a store owner. How do you build? How do you grow? What do you put first to get to where you want to be? Secondly, as a consumer, understand what's important from when you walk into a retail store. Like, what are they going to push on you? What are they trying to help you with? And that's why a couple weeks ago on social, I made a post saying, not all retailers are created equal. And I absolutely love working with the five-star crew for, on the Fitbar side because they do extraordinary numbers in terms of Fitbar sales because they obviously and always put the customer first. When you put the customer first and you still are obviously responsible to a PL, good and great things can happen. So I don't want to spend a lot of time here talking about the conversation because Cody can do that here better than I can. Uh, understand the last couple minutes of the podcast, my memory card on my camera got full. However, you're still going to have my full audio. You may just have a still image instead of having to look at my ugly mug. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope you enjoy Cody Stevens. And if you are a retailer interested, look for the link here below in YouTube or if you're listening on a, on a uh, you know podcast platform, visit us on Fitness Informer com get a link to go to check out this new wholesale playbook that could potentially help you and as customers i hope that this is a an eye-opening podcast for you to understand like how retail stores are ran how franchises are reformed uh but for now um you know i'm gonna like i said kick it over there if you like this podcast hit that uh subscribe button write us a review helps with the algorithm ladies and gentlemen cody stevens five star nutrition
my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education, willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Cage was born of a need for premium, health-focused products that actually work. We help you lift heavier, run faster, live healthier and achieve your potential. You deserve to trust a company that doesn't cut corners, one that sources the highest quality ingredients. Welcome to Caged. We're inside the podcast, and he's from Austin. Like, he's down in Austin, right? You're in Austin right now? Yeah. All right, so Cody Stevens, Austin, Texas, not Austin, Minnesota, although you can come up to Austin, Minnesota and freeze your dick off right now, but... Austin, Texas, my man, you have a story, and there's a lot of people probably watching and listening to this podcast who, quite frankly, don't know who the fuck you are. But we're going to tell them who you are, Cody, because there's a very impressive history of what you have done in collaboration with your partners in building a nationally known brand, both uh, both in, in terms of like a consumable brand and a retail environment, and you have a lot going on, and I'm excited about it because we haven't had this type of content on the podcast before. Typically, it's a brand owner who makes pre-workouts or a, a bodybuilder but you do kind of everything so first off just not the bodybuilding well i mean <laughs> you got you got the hair of a bodybuilder so at least you got that going for you and you got a great beard uh all right cody my man welcome to the show i appreciate you taking time coming in how are you i'm good man appreciate you having me on dude I, every time i talk to somebody and i see a whiteboard behind them with a bunch of scribbles on it i, I feel like i'm less intelligent than you is there anything significant <laughs> on that whiteboard behind you Nah, this is like a, I shot some video content for uh, something we'll talk about today, and I like I I use my computer to record it, and it turns out it flips everything upside down, and I just said fuck it and kept rolling with it, and it'll stay up there until something just as unimportant uh, comes up next to whiteboard out. I love it. Well, all right, start start us off by telling us exactly who you are, what's your title, who you with, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my name is Cody Stevens. Um, I'm one of the three partners at Define Brands, uh, which is our parent company for Five Star Nutrition, which is 60 retail stores, um, wholly company owned. So we don't have, you know, partners, franchisees, anything like that. We own all 60 locations um, as far west as Colorado Springs, all the way up to New York and uh, the New England area. And then um, on our journey, we started off as retailers. We, we quickly saw some opportunity to improve our margins and get some, um, you know, some brand equity with, uh, you know, creating our own brands. And this was back in, you know, when the internet was like the biggest risk to retail. And so we created uh, a couple brands, uh, which we still have today. So that's Neutral One um, and Anabolic Warfare. We have a, a brand that was a female brand that's now just kind of an Amazon only brand. And sure. we tried a CBD brand and it's been discontinued, but um, probably you know, from a brand side, neutral one and anabolic warfare is our sweet spot. So we got a lot going on, right? We have we have physical brick and mortar retail locations that you guys have. Then you have two brands that are popular, anabolic warfare, very popular in my opinion. Uh, neutral one, like you guys, a couple of years ago, I remember just blowing up in terms of flavoring when it came to protein powders. I mean, I think that kind of put that brand on on the map. But it's it's, it's going to be a, an interesting conversation for us and for me and for people listening because we're going to get both sides of the coin. Uh, and typically, like I mentioned earlier, we don't get that. It's typically either a store owner or a brand owner or somebody, an influencer or personality in the space. So let's start right away um, with being a store owner because that's really what you guys started as with. How many Did you start with a single location? Yeah, so back about 15 years ago, Charlie, um, we call him the godfather. I think yeah. you know Charlie pretty well. Um, so Charlie, uh, well, even further back to that, how Charlie, Brian and myself met, we all went to Chico state, which is in Northern California. We were in the same fraternity. Um, and when we were in, in college, there was a supplement store in town called NutriShop that everybody went to had cool products. The shirts were in the gym. Um, and so fast forward, Charlie graduates. He's a little bit, he's a little bit older than, uh, Brian and myself and opens up a Nutra shop in Austin about 15 years ago. So 15 years uh, ago, if we're doing the math, that puts us at 2007 ish. It was actually, 
2008, like he got uh, the way he opened up his first store is he took out a home equity loan against his parents' house uh, right before, you know, that crash in 08. And so, you know, three months difference could have been a, a no, not like non-starter, right? Like that equity disappeared over, you know, a couple months, wouldn't have been able to take out that loan. So there's a lot of those kind of interesting little timing moments that have gotten us here. And that, that was the first one. So Charlie opens up his new shop in Austin. Uh, opens up a couple more stores here in Austin. And then Brian comes out for a summer to just kind of fuck off and see what Austin's all about. This is, you know, 2009, 2010. And then they end up partnering on a store in Dallas as a Nutra shop. And then there was kind of a, a critical moment at that point um, where Nutra shop, their, their setup is uh, at that time was a licensee program where mm-hmm. you pay to use the name they sell you some products where they make margin on, uh, but they have some minimum. So you can kind of run your own business, but have to follow these kind of loose guidelines. Um, and at, at one point they were hitting the minimums with Nutrishop, but bringing in all these other kind of better margin, better quality product brands. And the owner of Nutrishop said, Hey, you, you kind of have an ultimatum, take the sign down or get these brands out of your store. And that's when we started um, total nutrition, which was, um, the, the, the concept was let's, let's marry this kind of store playbook we've kind of figured out and started to unlock on how to run a really successful supplement store and partner with a contract manufacturer to get high quality products to our, you know, at that time it was going to be a franchise, um, at a great price and, and really kind of cut out the brand middleman that often takes a, a, a market that hurts retailers and manufacturers. What year was this Cody when you guys decided to get into an actual brand? That was 2011 so when we switched. Three years. That was pretty quick. I mean, to, and a lot of times we'll call it the store brand, right? But I mean, it's not just a store brand because you guys obviously ship and distribute these brands across multiple different relocation, retail locations that you yourselves do not own. And we'll talk about that obviously in a little bit too. But just to give people listening or watching a perspective, 2008, Amazon at this point is not as big as they are obviously today in terms of dietary supplements at least. Bodybuilding.com is the number one online source of supplements. I uh, shortly after took a position yeah, it was probably 2011, 12 with Supplement Warehouse, which got pretty big. So like the internet at this point is kind of starting to gain some popularity. So you guys got in, I think at a really good time in terms of a physical brick and mortar store. Uh, and I think you mentioned several names that listeners and viewers will understand. have seen NutriShop, uh, you know, those in total, uh, you mentioned all-star nutrition, was it or total nutrition? Total nutrition right. was our, our, uh, our next kind of, name which obviously we don't have today right. um but, I, mean, they're all, like, I think anybody watching or listening to this has probably seen a nutrishop or total nutrition before uh and now being five-star nutrition having 60 plus locations it's very interesting because uh, was it was there like a small group of people at the nutrishop or at these uh, uh, you know that you guys graduated from and went off and did your own thing back in the day because i feel like every time i talk to somebody that has a store that's similar to the five-star model they've worked for you or you know they've they've um been part of something special because i will say this as a brand owner i don't i i work with a lot of retail stores the best retail stores that i work with have come under your learning tree the the owners have have been part of five-star in the past and were able to give the approval to go off and do their own thing and they just kick ass like they get it so what is it that you guys learned along the way or do differently that puts you into another level of retailers because it's pretty significant. Yeah, I think, uh, so we didn't really, there's a couple people that jumped Nutrishop ship and ended up converting over to total nutrition. Um, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of finish the, the evolution to five star and then answer your question. Cause I think most of the people you're referring to are, are kind of under the five star, uh, family tree in a sense. Mm-hmm. And which is also the total nutrition family tree from back in the day. Um, but fast forward, you know, I, I came out, started, you know, working for Charlie and Brian, opened up a couple of total nutritions myself. And we had gotten to the point where the, between the three of us, we had about 30 of the hundred total nutritions across the country. Um, and Charlie and Brian were partnered with the manufacturer. So we didn't own the brands, but their kind of entity through the manufacturing facility, you know, owned the brands and the franchising component. Um, and this was, I want to say like, late 14, 2015. And, and in, in that era, there was a lot of like, 
um, amino spiking, things that just like were giving the industry just a terrible rep. And, you know, we, we were doing our diligence and started to notice some inconsistencies in the products that, you know, were our house brand in a sense um, through Total Nutrition. And, and we started testing it and we just, we got some test results back that we couldn't live with. Um, you know, we were, we were on the front lines, giving our customers what we thought were the best in class products, educating them on how to take them. Um, and, and finding that there was corners being cut, we, we just were not okay with. And so in 15, we dropped all the, the total nutrition name, cut all of our stores. So just the three of us then parted off and created five star. And that's how we started. Um, we had these huge gaps to fill with protein, BCAs, pre-workout that we were selling, you know, 70 to 80% out of our stores from total nutrition. And that's what birthed kind of neutral one anabolic warfare. Um, and, and to get to your question is, I think just like w- we go all in on service, like there's going to be a bunch of waves that come through this industry. And we've seen the Amazon, the, the e-com and like all these things. But at the end of the day, we're kind of in a fortunate situation being in supplements. And, and I think this is, you know, probably part of what birth fitness informant, but like, it's still a very fucking confusing space, very. right? Like it's very hard to see through the noise and the marketing and, all that stuff. And so we've just constantly doubled down on service and we know like we got to be close on pricing at a, in a retail environment, but like you don't have to have the cheapest price if you have the best service. Um, and so our model that kind of birthed out former employees going and starting their own thing or, or former buddies getting into the industry, which is a lot of the people you've kind of talked about. Um, they got taught like how important the service model was, what the process was, which is we have a very, there's no like if, and, and buts, like we have a very structured um, customer interaction or sales process or service process, whatever you want to call it. And they get indoctrinated into that to the point where they, they, they get through the kind of awkwardness and they get to the other side. Like there's no other way there's, there's, this is the only way to do it because it not only it, it gives the customer the best results possible, but it also helps you grow your business. It leads to more referrals. Like all these things are kind of trickle down effects of treating the customer um, the right way, but also driving business results. Um, And so that's probably what you're alluding to is, you know, their stores are growing, they're ordering more and more, they're opening new locations because they believe in that process. um, And they execute it at a very high level. And a lot of the people that, you know, most of our wholesale business is buddies or former employees that, you know, drive significant amount of our volume how you mentioned initially being total nutrition and franchising option and that now is not the case with five star it's it's all privately owned by you guys has the conversation about franchising come back up is it something that you're looking to do in the future because just you know we look at what vitamin shop just recently did you know vitamin shop same thing last store owns i mean gnc's been doing it forever vitamin shop doing this franchisee location i haven't heard a lot about it yet um you know on how it's going it's it's a difficult thing to do and to be successful especially like if you look at the gnc model where you know again they're selling xyz and then the, those gnc stores are 10 bucks higher than the corporate owned gnc store and it becomes confusing and the customer's like well what, what's going on so what's your personal take uh on the franchising model specifically to five star is it something that you guys want or look to do so the, it's funny you mentioned that because uh and, and we didn't prepare this you just got a good hunch um <laughs> it almost feels like i said hey bring up franchising <laughs> uh prior but um so so the way that five star grew really exponentially was once we parted from total nutrition we we really believed in putting our poise in like ownership mindsets um, and we used to give profit shares and, and sometimes equity to partners that, you know, maybe a, there was a stud in our Austin market that was willing to relocate. And, you know, that's how we opened up in North Carolina or something. Um, and at a certain point, we realized like, hey, like we, we kind of had this vision for what five star was going to be. And now there's 10 owners of five star per se, you know, even though they own maybe one or two locations. Um, and as things were, you know, transpiring from a regulatory perspective, we had to make decisions that weren't popular across everybody, but had to protect the core, you know, safety of the business from, you know, what kind of products we can sell or can't sell. Um, and we started seeing people like defect and work corners. And so in 2018, we made a decision to like, Hey, we've got to like bring it all back in one company, one ownership structure. Um, and we did that, but we missed this like, huge component of what got us to where we had, uh, you know, got us to that point. 
Um, and it was that ownership mindset. Like you can go into our stores in 17, 18, like you thought you were talking to the owner and sometimes you might be, but sometimes you were talking to an hourly employee that was working his ass off or her ass off to become an owner because we had that carrot to dangle. So about six months ago, you know, we had one of our annual strategic meetings and uh, with the labor market being really difficult, like we had to really kind of like figure out a way to bring back this carrot. And so the way we're, we're approaching bringing back that owner mindset, not only to our company owned stores, but to future stores is through franchising. Mm-hmm. So um, we are, we're, we're about to wrap up our FDD, which is your franchise disclosure documents, which is when you can actually start like talking about things and then we'll send it to a lawyer they'll take a month to kind of paper it up. And then, you know, come May or June, we'll be able to start talking to people about franchising. There, there's one caveat though, because like we really owe it to our employees to bring that back. And so our primary focus for at least the first six to 12 months is to create opportunities for current employees to become franchise owners um, and make sure we get a good wave of employees. And like the people you were talking about that, you know, had to leave the company to go start their own uh, stores um, they've been super successful. And so we're excited to kind of keep them under the five-star name still and let them go run their own business, but have the controls and parameters that a franchise provides. Can you explain how the franchise model works? Uh, specific, I mean, they're, they're, they're generally roughly the same. Uh, and I don't know, I don't need you to get into specifics of your particular agreement, but in general, from an umbrella standpoint, how does the franchise model work from a corporate entity down to that store level? Yeah. So like when, if you're wanting to open up a franchise, you know, you're looking for a proven business model instead of going, figuring out what am I going to call it? You know, what's every kind of detail that got us to this point, you know, we've been on a 15 year journey to figure out this model. And so um, if you're interested in a franchise, you're trying to basically buy the rights to that experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you get to use our name, like all the kind of trade secrets, all the things we've developed to create this pretty bulletproof playbook. Um, and then from a company side of things, there's two ways that the company will make money on a franchise. So there's one is selling them the products um, that we've developed for our stores, reselling them to our franchisees. And they're going to get just like a very small markup because you have to transparently disclose that. So that's going to be like, we'll make money on it, but it's also a huge strategic advantage. They're going to make margins that are untouchable by any other brand um, out there. Um, and then we make a royalty. So, you know, percent of sales basically. So talk about the margin markup on a, on an in-store house brand, because I think as a consumer, they're thinking when they hear that, sometimes they think they're getting ripped off, right? They think like, Oh, they're being greedy. They just want to make a bunch of money. But to your point, you're cutting out, you know, you guys are, are paying the manufacturer directly and then sending them to these new franchisee locations, or even your store location. So you're able to reap more margin per skew because you're cutting out the brand that's that's shipping into you. How do you how do you massage that? How do you juggle the fact like, hey, we want to make as much money as we possibly can because we have employees to pay, we have lights to pay, we have taxes, we have all these things, but we also want to give the consumer something that's good. Uh, and you mentioned service, so I have a feeling like that plays into a part of your formulation standpoint, but when you guys go in the room and say, "Hey, we need to formulate a new anabolic warfare pre-workout." We want to be, you know, we want to get this much points, but we want to hit, you know, these aspects of that pre-workout for the consumer. Like, how is that for you being a store owner and a brand and having those conversations? Yeah, I think one thing that's really enabled us to not have to worry about the margin too much is like our buying power uh, through the 60 retail stores. Like our stores do pretty good comparatively to like other stores out there. And we sell about 80% of our own brands through our stores. And so that volume adds up very quickly. And when we take that business to our, you know, partnerships we have with contract manufacturers, we're able to lock in really aggressive pricing. Um, and I, like, I, I think people underestimate how much we actually buy because of those stores. Um, you know, if we were just a brand, it'd be very difficult to accrue that type of volume and place the types of POs. And as you've done, you know, you know, like those, those, uh, those tiers get really aggressive as you get into the top side, because it takes the same amount of, you know, time to break down equipment, set it back up, clean it. Like there's a lot of baked in costs that just like are, are fixed costs for any line. And the efficiencies are gained from 500 units to 10,000 there's massive efficiencies on the manufacturing side. And so um, we don't have to cross that bridge 
too often there's been times where we kind of value engineer product and that's just going back to like we we had the ear of the customer we were on the front lines listening to customers and like when it came to protein it was like hey like yeah they care about x y and z but like taste is number one so let's like let's go all in on taste make a good product it doesn't have to be the perfect product because most of our consumers are not the elite bodybuilders of the world they just want a good taste in protein that doesn't make them fart and shit their pants right like and that's pretty easy to execute on but if you're striving to be the perfect best in class number one protein in the world you're going to inject a lot of cost that 99% of consumers don't care about don't notice a difference about and so i think we've been able to kind of throttle that line of like good high quality uh formulations and, and also leaving out some ingredients that just don't matter to our end consumer now that might be the different a different opinion of maybe a supplement store we sell to because the owner has a, a mindset of like premium high like quality and stuff, but most of their customers don't care either. Mm -hmm. So, um, you get a, you're in a unique ability in which you can pull sales reports monthly, right? And you guys can see how well your, your house brands do, how well the external brands do. If you see a certain product from a, from, from a secondary brand doing well, cause Amazon does this all the time, right? Like something sells really well on Amazon. Amazon's a little shit. Let's make that an Amazon basics product and let's start selling ourselves. How tempting is it or how hard is it for you not to be like, well, we see that this brand's pre-workout's killing it. Maybe we should make something very similar. We, it, it's tempting and we do it all the time. Um, like most of our product development over the last few years has come from testing products we think will do well. And maybe that's the market's telling us that. Um, maybe it's a product we've had in the store and it starts doing really well out of, you know, out of a new trend or something. And then, We'll take that data from the third party, go quote similar formulations, mm -hmm. maybe it's the same kind of CTAs, but different formulas. Um, and then, you know, get our pricing there and say, hey, like we can, you know, we can scrape 10 bucks a unit off of this product by developing ourselves. There's the business case for the stores. And then the wholesale, um, you know, we know what kind of pricing to go in at to go kind of take that product's market share per se. Um, and so as long as the economics work out, it, it ends up being a great wholesale product as well. So then as a brand, right, if I'm selling into you at five star, knowing like that's a possibility, does those conversations ever come up being like, oh, five star ripped off our pre-workout or, you know, they copied us. Like, what, how do you, is that even come up as a conversation with these brands when they approach? Cause I think there's two folds, right? As a brand owner, it's attractive to be in 60 stores. So like, I don't want to pick a fight with you. I want to be on the store shelves. The second part of that would be like, okay, how am I going to get the employees of this store to get people, customers to ship their focus to my products when they're making their own? But secondly, if I am successful, are they going to rip me off? Like, I mean, that's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's kind of like, I think of it like a realtor standpoint, right? Like to get paid 3% commission when they sell your house or when, when you, when they buy a house for you, wouldn't your realtor, if they're a buyer, want the highest price possible for you so they make the most money? It's kind of a weird dynamic, but how do you, how do you juggle that and make it all work? Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, from a five-star perspective, you know, like our, our intent is never to bring in a product to then rip it off, right? And, and I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say we rip it off, um, but I think it's a, a fair term to throw around loosely. Sure. Um, so like, you know, like they want to get into the stores because there's volume behind that. And there's been times like when we launched our CBD line, we reached out to a buddy in the industry said, hey, we're going to use you for a test. And if this test goes well, you'll stay in our stores, but we're probably going to eat 80% of that volume with our house brand we're developing right now. And, you know, the, the guy, his credit was like, I would love to get the opportunity to be in there and stay in there. And if I can help you guys, he helped us with formulations a little bit and stuff. And so there's a lot of times there's win-wins in that. Um, a, a lot, you know, most of the time it's, we're not competing with the same kind of, like as a brand, it's not really an apples to apples competition because, you know, let's say I'm just going to throw a random brand out there. Redcon has a great product that's doing well in the marketplace and it's doing well in our stores and we create something very similar, right? Uh, may or may not have happened at any point. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, we don't have that national brand presence through anabolic warfare that Redcon has. So, you know, our wholesale channel is not a huge threat to them. And if we did take a huge chunk to us, it'd be, they wouldn't even notice it. They're in such a wide variety of distribution channels, us still in a couple, you know, shelf spaces from, um, some independent retailers across the country doesn't, they, they don't even notice it. Right. 
Um, and so a lot of times there's, there's, there's those really good win-wins in there. And, um, I think, you know, we haven't come into a situation where we've had any kind of beef stem out of that. As a consumer, as a consumer, if I'm walking into a five-star location, how can you assure me that you're putting my best interest forward? And what I'm saying here is like knowing that you guys have in-store house brands, knowing that you make more money on said brands, how do I know that you're going to point me in the right direction for the best product for me? When you guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, Rick, you have multiple other brands that you carry in there. Like, maybe if the best product for me is a different brand that you don't own, how do I know that your employees are going to point me in that direction versus an in-store brand? Yeah, so there's there's no, like, uh, requirements to sell our brand um, in our stores. It really, our, our sales process or service process is all about uncovering customers' goals, wants, and needs, and then rebuilding that back into what's best for them. Um, and I think to me, like there, there's not like a great way to answer that. That makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy off the first experience, but our business would be nothing if it was one and done over and over again. And so, um, the whole point of our process is to make sure our customers get better results than anywhere else. Because at the end of the day, like if a, if a product's $5 cheaper on Amazon and you're not getting better results shopping at five star or XYZ retailer, you're going to buy the Amazon product, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we really make sure like results is priority number one. And the way we get you to that does involve a lot of our products, but we also believe in our products and, you know, we wouldn't be putting them on the shelves if people weren't coming back for them. Um, because you know, like to build a business off new customers, like, unfortunately that's kind of what complete nutrition did. And, and they saw a huge soar and then a huge crash. Like you couldn't run any more fucking radio ads for $300 weight loss kits. Right. Um, and once they built their business on that one and done, it, it was, you know, left picking up the scraps. So we, we kind of watched them too and learned like, Hey, like we got to build the fundamentals. Like we can't go after like weight loss is a nice boost to business, but that can't be your whole business. Um, and so to me, it's, it's, you know, focusing on customer results leads to retention. Retention builds a long standing business versus a, you know, quick, quick business. Break down your business in terms of how much of it is brick and mortar versus how much of it is wholesale today. Yeah, so about 75% of our sales come from our company-owned stores. Um, another 15% or so come from our wholesale channel. Um, and then the rest is uh, D2C, which is really just kind of like five-star recapturing our customers. Like sure. I think 90% of our D2C sales come from 15 miles around a five-star um, even on our brand sites. And then, um, we do have Amazon as well, which is a little bit less than the DSC, um, percentage, but still pretty heavily concentrated in what I would consider like an omni-channel ecosystem for mm-hmm. five-star. Well, it's awesome. And you and I've had a conversation about this and I know and we're going to talk about it here shortly, but you have the playbook on how to run a retail store and be successful. You understand what it took to get there. You have 15 plus years of this. You're at 60 plus stores, continue to grow. You guys have huge aspirations, obviously through the franchising model. But I remember you throwing out some, some numbers in terms of the number of stores that you wanted to have in five years. And I was like, shit, I mean, they got some lofty goals, which is great. But then on the flip side of the wholesale, you, you have these, you have great, um, Great people on your staff out there selling this product in the brick and mortar stores that are not five-star owned, but they could walk into these locations and say, hey, you can carry our products. Oh, and also we can teach you. We can help you be successful. And is that that sounds like that's something that you're going to start implementing as part of your wholesale process and as part of, uh, of the, the larger brand is not only are you going to get the product, get good margins, get follow-up calls and whatever, but we're going to come in and teach you how to be successful. Yeah, so that that's really what, what uh we're positioning and really ready to start talking about with our customers and, and really the industry in general is um you know i, I took over our wholesale ch- so i ran five star for like uh, too long right like i lost my hair because of their retail is fucking brutal um and back in uh september of last year uh we, we had to make some tough decisions on some people that we had hired that weren't kind of delivering the results we expected and I've been sitting back running five star in our executive meetings and just watching our wholesale channel just get ran through the mud, making decisions that as, as a, if I put myself in a customer's position, I'd be probably not doing business with the brand anymore. Um, and so I, I saw this opportunity cause I know most of our customers on a first name basis, we text, we call like mm-hmm. their buddies. Um, and so I decided to jump in and run our wholesale channel and 
when I got in, I, I, I looked around. I was like, man, like, we're never going to have Seth for OC or Seabum. Like, we can just get that, like, fantasy, jerk off fantasy out of the, the, the decision making. Like, so what, what do we have and, like, what can our angle be to, you know, grow this wholesale channel? Because, like, we, we have a great offering. It just it didn't have an identity at that point. And we had just an amazing team, like, so, so fortunate to pick up the team that I was able to pick up. But we didn't have a direction or strategy. And so um, I decided, like, pretty early on, like, we're going to be the consultative retailer or uh, brand. I'm sorry. Like, we have this playbook that's led to a lot of success in our stores. And most of the, the calls I've gotten on with wholesale customers, they just want to talk about five star. Like, hey, what do you guys do for this for employees? Or how do you guys market X, Y, and Z? Or like, what, what's the sales process that I experienced walking into one of your stores? And so what, what we decided to do was to really kind of develop the five star playbook a little bit watered down. Like it, over the years, it's gotten very elaborate and probably too elaborate for our, even our own good. Uh, but I wanted something people could pick up off the shelf, take immediate value out of, and then we can help them tune it up and make it their own. Um, and that's what we did. We, we went out to, in December, we went to uh, the guys out in uh, Jersey Shore Subs um, and, and did like a seminar with their team. They have six stores out there. And it was just kind of a test, like, hey, like they've got a videographer, let's shoot this content, let's see how they do with this. And did, you know, two half days of talking about a sales process, which they had never had before. Um, and man, they're, they're up like 20% this year so far and they're getting more transactions. They're drying higher AOV. Their customers are getting better results. Um, so and that so for me, Cody, real quick, that's not up 20% just on your brand. That's up 20% as an entirety store. Right. Right. And, and, and it's worth mentioning, like our goal is not to go steal everybody's shelf space and wholesale. Our goal is, Hey, let's let the high tide rise all ships. We'll probably steal some shelf space here and there as we build better relationships. Uh, but if we can help you grow 20%, that's 20% back in just the products we have on your shelf today. Right. Um, and so that's really the, the, what we're working on and what we have ready. We have like five different trainings ready to go in a training platform. So um, all of our wholesale customers will get access to this training platform if they want it. They can kind of self-serve. We have some reporting on the back end that say like, hey, like, you know, this person needs help. All right, let's see how they've helped themselves on the training platform. Oh, wow. They've They've gone through all the trainings. They're, they're taking time. They're asking good questions. Let's send my, you know, my sales rep out there for three days to help them put hands on it, put the pieces together and really work some magic. And um, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the kind of sales rep persona in the industry. It's like every time I get a call from a sales rep as the president of Five Star, I'm like, oh, man, like what the fuck does he want from me? Right. I get it. Sales reps always have something they want from you if they're making a call. Sure. And I want my guys to just get away from, you know, having to make calls to get things and really having calls to add value and help these retailers like do better. In return, they'll get the extra product. They'll get the picked up the new product we launched reciprocation. Um, and there's a ton of other stuff that from our retail experience, like we, we're not, we're not selling product off their shelves. We know how much they have to put into that. Like if we have Seth or Seabum, like it's a different story, but like we've got to be able to help support them sell our products. And if we can do that, they'll be armed to be more successful with our brands. Um, so that, that's really kind of in a nutshell what we're doing. And, and the beacon of that, which is in the training platform right now, is that sales process, that consultative sales process, which is a dirty word in our industry. But people that get it, use it, implement it, man, their customers walk out spending more, thanking them for the time and energy and effort. Um, and become lifelong customers. Is that so? Is this program completely implemented and up and live? Yeah, we have about ten of our existing wholesale customers going through it, giving us some feedback. Um, you know, and we're going to start barking pretty loud next month once we make. You know, if we get some feedback that you know we have some blind spots or whatever, we'll make some edits um, and then start kind of singing this from the rooftops that this is available. And so it, it's available now. We're just keeping it a slightly smaller list to. Kind of go through, make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and it's it's translating because you know we've been doing this forever. So like I want to make sure it's translating to them being able to take the content and implement it, and maybe they they get the content to thirty percent. It's far better than zero percent, and my guys can go out and put hands on it with them and get them to sixty percent, and then the evolution of just working on your craft takes it to eighty, ninety percent from there. What's the prerequisite to do? I have to buy a certain amount of 
product from Anabolic Warfare, Future One? Do I have to buy any product? Or what, what, what would be a prerequisite for a store to be like, hey, I want your help? Yeah, just it would just to be an active customer, um, and so our minimum's three fifty, I think. So you you order some detox and a pre workout, and you get access to this playbook. That's um, awesome. From we have different tiers to where if if you become what we call like a volume customer, which we loosely define as like twenty five hundred bucks a month, we're willing to make on site visits and like really kind of coach you through it, and not to say like someone that's not hitting that won't get coaching calls and stuff. Um, cause our goal is to, to get out of like people that are ordering onesies and twosies from us, you know, thinking it's going to sell themselves and really invest all of our time into these people that have adopted us as a, a prototypical house brand per se. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to see them grow because once they get momentum and we get hands off and they go open three, four or five stores. Um, and, and you know, they're super thankful because they would they maybe wouldn't have acquired the skill set as fast without that type of coaching. Do you guys have a wholesale landing page in which the stores today aren't currently carrying the brands and they're interested in, in signing up and being part of this cool new program? Is there some place that they can go? We can post a link in the YouTube video. We can post it on the website or are you guys building that? Yeah. So there's a really kind of old landing page. Um, this podcast came up before kind of we're going to have like a pretty sick one um, in like a couple of weeks here, but it's just definebrands.com and then there's a wholesale tab and you can, it's pretty dated, a little archaic, but uh, drop something in there. My guys will get that email, hit you up, work through an opening order. Um, they try to do a very like consultative, like our whole thing is consultative, uh, consultative sales. Uh, it is what it is. Like it, we're all in sales. Um it's, sorry, like I have to apologize for that sometimes because it seems like a dirty word in this industry is selling. selling. Um, but yeah, they call and they, they, they try to understand like what your goals, wants and needs are, like what, what you might need help with, what kind of brands do well, and they'll help you curate an opening order. And then from there, you know, they're there to help you, you know, work through the playbook, um, you know, talk about how to get product moving. We have product training videos. We have marketing trainings, like all kinds of stuff. So let's talk about some goals on both sides of the coin, right? You have, we have brick and mortar locations at 60 locations plus the upcoming franchisee model. How many five-star branded where you guys own them or franchise locations do you anticipate there being in three years? It's a good question, man. Like I think we're, we're trying like three years is a long time. Like every time we sign a lease, like what were we doing five years ago? I don't know. The degenerate five years ago, uh, probably still have one, but, um, so like it's hard to look down down that far, but I think once we take this to external parties, it could get some gasoline because we you know we get access or anybody can have access to the franchise disclosure documents of who we'll be competing with GNC Vitamin Shop, NutriShop, um, and there's a few others out there, man. And like the economics that we're gonna be providing, you know that that they can a- accomplish through a lower cost to open, um, you know, smaller footprint. Uh, like it, it's just insane. It blows like the payback periods are, are in, incredible for the franchising world. Um, but I, I would like to see like over by the end of next year, over 20 of our employees become franchisees. That's to me, um, super important. Like they, they work their ass off. And I think like it, it, it's the core of who we are. Like I was a franchisee, you know, like, that's really close to me. And then, you know, from there, like I'm probably too dumb and, you know, too burnt out on this to like do the external parties. Cause that's going to require a lot of training, a lot of coaching, mm-hmm. um, a lot of support. And we'll probably bring in someone to help kind of pioneer, like how do we get parties that aren't connected to five-star into owning a five-star franchise and support them and help them grow. All right. Then the wholesale side, how, how big can these brands be? I mean, we're, we're right now, we just wrapped up Q1 with a 20% year over year growth. Um, I'm hoping like this catches momentum and we can end the year around 30%. Um, and then from there, man, like who knows, like, I don't think we'll ever be the big athlete brand, but I think we can definitely like be the consultative house brand for a lot of stores, um, that delivers not only this playbook, but some of the most aggressive margins in the industry, um, really good in stock rates, uh, compliance. That's probably too good for our own good. Um, all that stuff. Do you like the term house brand? I mean, just based on kind of this conversation, it almost feels like you guys can be beyond that. Like, I mean, you, when I look at house brands, 
you don't find them online. You guys, are you looking for a strong D2C footprint for these brands um, to actually build brand equity? Or is it specifically for you want this to be a retail store, living, breathing brand? Yeah, I, I mean, I think every brand wants to transcend that those kind of original roots, you know. But for us, like, we don't know what that is. And we've taken some stabs at some things um, that I think you were involved with, with influencers and, and be, becoming more. And, like, we just got too ahead of our britches on that. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty content for now with the, the results we're getting. And, and, like, we have, like, like, this is the first time I'm publicly talking about this playbook thing. Like, who knows what this is going to yield um, you know, I hope in the energy we put in, I hope it, it yields great results for not just for us, but for a lot of retailers out there. Like part of this is all just giving back and helping. Right. Um, you know, you don't have to carry a ton of our product to get access to this. Um, you don't have to buy it. Like, and we're selling you good quality product at great margins. Like it's a win-win for everyone. Um, but I mean, I, I think, over time, you want to see your brand get better distribution channels and more diversity, I think, is probably important because, you know, at the end of the day, like one thing we learned from COVID was like how many of our eggs were in the small specialty basket while grocery was killing it. But, you know, maybe those opportunities come and we create a white label for those opportunities. If, if this is really the, the house brand of small specialty retail um, domestically. How do you if you if you have a, a retailer in the same competitive market as one of your five star stores that buys your products and they want this playbook, is there any conflict of interest there going in and teaching them the ways and they're just down the road from you? Yeah, so we we don't sell into our own markets. We okay. put like some territories around it. Um, anybody that does good volume with us, it's a kind of a handshake exclusive deal. We do have some papered exclusives. Um, but like some, like the working through those and like setting minimums, like gets too complicated, but like it's in our best interest to support people that support us. Um, and I would say like, it's funny. Cause like, well, it's like, well, are you going to do that? It's like, bro, like one, if you don't think I'm a good dude, like just think of it from a business perspective. Like, does it make sense for you to sell five grand of our shit a month and us to go sell to this small, you know, independent person that's trying to like basically price gouge you out of the market and they're you're you're winning in the market they're not doesn't even make sense for us to entertain that opportunity so we have like we're fortunate that we have a lot of great like partnerships across the industry that um you know it doesn't even cross our minds to sell into those areas and um you know like if people take this playbook and run with it you know hopefully they get to the volume where we can continue to like adopt that mindset with you know not only our existing partners that aren't there yet but also new partners couple of things I want to finish up the podcast with. First, if I am an external brand and I want to get a footprint in the five-star locations, what's the proper protocol and steps for a brand to be considered by you guys? Yeah, so it'd either be that our customers are asking for it or you fill a gap that we don't fill with our own brands. Um, you know, like, and it might be like, like right now we have a big gap with fish oils and we outsource that from a third-party brand. Um, you know, we have different gaps that some brands it's not even their primary product, but they do really well with us with a singular or a couple products and we'll sell some of their other stuff. Um, so that's kind of the main entryway into five star is people are asking about it and we're losing sales because we don't have it on the shelf because our, our goal is, you know, we don't do bait and switch. Like if our customers want it, we should have it on our shelves. Um, and then, you know, if they fill gaps that stuff we're not interested in, in manufacturing or things that we're just not getting to yet then we bring in third-party brands and they get a lot of volume from that as well. I will say, you know, I've had conversations in the past which I thought was interesting. I think traditionally you guys were a more heavy house brand, but you ad you adopted and you, you kind of wanted to bring in more external third-party brands because of the demand from consumers. I mean, some of these brands have done a really good job of building brand equity. Ghost, Rise, I mean, Redcon, Axe and Sledge, like we could name them all um, to the point where it's like, hey, it, it's to your, to your point, it's in our best interest of our customer to have these in store and not do the bait and switch model. So if you're a brand owner and you're, you're wondering whether or not you should approach, you know, five star, just understand, you know, from my perspective too, like they want to have you there. If customers want you there, it's not, they're not trying to just essentially fill every single shelf with their own stuff. And I, I, I want to end it on uh, the podcast here. Just, you guys made a very strategic decision a couple of years ago to move away from pro hormones. Uh, you took them off the shelf at all the five star locations. Uh, and, and you went then to, you know, your, your project muscle series that, that it's like 12 SKUs, 13 SKUs. It's, it's crazy. Um, you were preemptive. Nobody told you to take them off the shelves. 
why did you guys make the decision to pull pro hormones and just put some space between you guys? It just goes back to that. Like we, we want this business to be around for a long time and those crosshairs you can find yourself in playing the game or like being too cute for your own good. Like it, it just like, it's always there. Like, and like, we're not getting any younger. We got families now, like we're, we're not like super risk adverse in that area. And it, those transitions hurt a lot. And we, you know, like we bled out pretty good from every transition into being more regulatory compliant. Um, not saying we weren't, but there was, mm-hmm. there's writing on the wall and like people like, you'd have to be really turning an intentional blind eye to what's happening from a regulatory perspective to continue to roll the dice. And I mean, every week or not every week, maybe every month I see a single store owner selling SARMs, like getting, you know, under investigation. It's like, man, like you're never too small to get away with it. And so we just got to a point where it's like, man, we're like, we want this business to be around. And we had to play, change the way we played the game. Like we sell a lot of vitamins and fish oils and, you know, all these like health essentials that weren't as dominant as, you know, hard hitting anabolic type products, but it was a necessary change to keep the business moving along. And last thing any of us want is to be caught up in some investigation that, you know, drains our energy resources, you know, like that change is going to happen for everyone. It's just whether it's on your terms or someone else's terms. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we made a lot of different decisions to proactively become more and more compliant to the point where, um, you know, we, we are able to sleep at night really well. Like we're not worried about any kind of investigations or anything. And, and, you know, that cost us a lot of money to do that, but ultimately it was the right thing for the business long-term. Last question for you, Cody, are you happy, content, about your personal and professional success? Probably not, dude. Like I'm just always like wanting more. And probably the one thing that I need to work on is like celebrating the wins more, um, just like for myself and as a leader in this organization. And um, it's really hard for me to do. I think I'm probably like a undiagnosed perfectionist or self-diagnosed perfectionist. And just, I always see the opportunity, not the the wins. And so um I, you know, I, I really enjoy the life that this success has brought me, but also like always hungry for more. I think that's why you and I get along so well. Very similar. And what about you? I mean, yeah, the same thing. I don't enjoy the successes. I should. I should sit back and be like, that was cool. But it's to your point. What's the next opportunity? Uh, so yeah. I also need to work on that. All right, brother. Well, we know that this is coming out uh, in the next, you know, rolling out next month or so after some trial. People can contact you guys now. Define Brands is the website. Any other contact information that people should have, social handles, if you want to put emails, I don't know. I mean, your call. Nah, I, I don't do the social thing. So, like, I think I haven't been on Instagram in, like, four years. I might have an account floating out there. Maybe add me on Facebook. But I do post a little bit on LinkedIn. Um, and then, yeah, like, uh, if, if you want to get in touch with our sales reps or us, um, go to the Define Brands website, fill out a wholesale inquiry. We'll follow up probably within 24 hours. And get you access to the playbook, you know, work on an opening order. And, and really our goal is to help, you know, our retailers grow and, and take not everything we've done that's worked, but take elements that work for them and adopt them. We don't want to make everybody a five-star. That's not our mission, but we do think we've made a lot of fucking mistakes and found some good nuggets within those um, that would benefit the industry, uh, individual stores and help them either, you know, work themselves out of having to be in the store seven days a week or, um, have a smoother operation for uh, multi-unit retailers, et cetera. And, and you know, that bit was a fun journey for us. And I'm just as excited to take it with other retailers. I love it, dude. I appreciate you coming on.